Hey, this is Andy. And Randy. And we're here on AT Corner. Being an athletic trainer comes with ups and downs, and we're here to showcase it all. Join us as we share our world in sports medicine. Welcome back to another episode of AT Corner. For this episode, we are closing out National Athletic Training Month with a CEU episode. Yes, we are. Thank you to Precision AT, where if this episode is our latest episode, it's going to be free. If it's within the latest three before that, it's going to be a dollar. And then all our CEU episodes before that are regularly priced through their online store. Yes. And remember, it is a reporting year. It's time. So what exactly are we talking about? So we are going to be talking about Something that has definitely gotten, you see this everywhere in almost every athletic training clinic. We are talking about instrument-assisted soft tissue mobilization, a.k.a. tools and scraping. (laughs) You know when you ask your athlete, hey, have you ever been scraped? And they're like, they're like, what? They're a little bit fearful and you're like, no, 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 no. Not like, not like that. (laughs) And then you pull out the tools and you're like, is that a blade? Are you going to cut me? Yes. I usually start with, this shouldn't hurt. That's usually how most of the modalities that I have is like, hey, it's going to be uncomfortable, but it shouldn't be excruciating pain. It sounds scarier than what you think. And then next thing you know, they just start coming in and be like, can I get scraped? Yeah, isn't that your favorite? Uh, I love it when they come in and start ordering their their treatment. (laughs) All right. So the goals for this episode. First thing is we're going to describe the role that uh, fascia plays in normal normal muscle function. Um, then we're going to discuss how instrument assisted soft tissue mobilization affects fascia and muscle tissue. And then we're going to examine the evidence of the effectiveness of instrument assisted soft tissue mobilization as it relates to pathology and recovery as well. It's all good stuff to know, especially because athletes are going to come in and ask like why and how. Yes. I mean, like I said, it's pretty popular now and like most people already kind of have experienced it. So I haven't ran into too many athletes who are like totally like I have no idea what this is. What really? you haven't? Yeah. Most of the time, if I like, oh, do you want to you know, like tooling or scraping? At first, they're kind of like what, but then when I hold the tool, they're like, oh, yeah. So there's not too many people that I'm like, this is completely foreign to them. Hmm. All right. So this, what is this? What does ISTM like primarily target? So we're really trying to shoot for the fascia. The idea behind the tool is instead of using your hands, one, it saves the clinician's hands, but also the tool kind of helps amplify any like adhesions or the quality of the fascia that you're working on. So um, if you go back into one of our older episodes, I believe it's episode 32 where we talk about the floss bands. We talked a little bit about fascia there. Oh, that's a big throwback. <laughs> yes, big throwback. Um, we did talk about fascia there, so you can also go back to go back to that episode and kind of listen and kind of see what we talked about fascia there because it will apply for instrument assisted. Which is also a CEU episode. Yes. So essentially what fascia's job is, is it plays a supporting role for the musculoskeletal system. It's that giant net that just covers head to like your furthest toe (laughs) um, all throughout the body. And basically their job is to help out the musculoskeletal system. So it assists with the delivery of nutrients to the muscle. It assists in the transmission of force when a muscle is contracting. And the reason this happens because, you know, the way it assists in force transmission is there's improved elastic storage because of just 
the nature of fascia, there are some contractile properties to it. Um, it helps transfer force along fascial lines, and it also helps transfer force horizontally across the muscle to the other muscle fibers within the muscle. So it's helping just improve how much force is being applied. So in order for fascia to be effective in all these tasks that we just named, and there's probably countless others, it has to be adequately hydrated. And this is through the ground substance. Ground substance is basically just like a gel. It's like it's a very thick gel that obviously can either be hydrated, less viscous, or basically molasses and very viscous, which you don't want that. Um, And another way for it to be effective is there shouldn't be any dense areas of collagen. So you shouldn't have a buildup of collagen in one area. The buildup of collagen is kind of viewed as the adhesions. So when you talk about when people talk about adhesions, that's really what you're seeing. Um, if there are dense areas, that's where you really affect that mobility that fascia is supposed to be having. What I kind of picture right now, and maybe you can like add to this or change this analogy, but what I'm picturing is like over top of a pool, if you put like a cover on the pool and then so it's like all even spread across the water but then if you put rocks in like one spot and it kind of pulls the it has an effect on the entire tarp absolutely yes it it does and that's the important thing when you think about fascia is just how interconnected it is that one area could affect another area way down the line oh i have another one so like when you're making your bed and then you put your knee in one spot and it literally wrinkles the entire yes, thing exactly and then you you spend like all the time trying to get like all the different corners so it's like flat exactly and also just try moving the sheet right, right. with a heavy object on it like that it's a lot harder mm-hmm. and it gets really restricted so that's the idea too behind this fashion those were good analogies <laughs> i'm just trying to picture like I mean, my students, I'm, I have a couple different classes and, you know, I have athletic training students and I have volunteers and I have yeah. community college students. And so I'm, some of them like have experience of yeah. what these things are and some of them Do don't. <laughs> so I always try to figure out like, what is a way that I can explain it to my community college students yeah. who might not have an idea of, who've never heard of fascia before. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, there's another role that fascia plays that often gets forgotten when we talk about just how it interacts with muscles and stuff. Um, it's actually a neurological component. So within fascia itself, there's a lot of mechanoreceptors within the fascia. So that just tells you how large of a role it's going to play with sensory feedback, giving your body information about where you are in space, your muscle contraction, intensity, stretch, all that is being given to the the brain and the central nervous system by fascia. So keep that in mind when we're talking about tooling. We're going to talk about how it affects all these like mechanical properties of fascia and like how that affects movement and how you move and all that. But we're also going to talk about a pain aspect and it's really going to be focused on that mechanoreceptor component. All the fancy dancy stuff. Yes. Yes, because it's never just one thing when we're doing treatment, Right. Like we like to find the one answer like, oh, it, this is why it works. But it could still be many different answers. It could be this and this. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, with how complex fascia is, it, that's where it kind of leads towards. And fascia also has a reco- uh, uh, role in recovery. Yes. Yes. Uh, we're actually going to get uh, get talking about that right here. Um, so 
Because it's so intertwined with that muscle function, injury to the muscles and tendons can also have that same effect on fascia. So if you have a muscle strain, you're, you definitely have done some damage to fascia as well. Um, and it kind of goes back to what we're talking about, you know, the fascia being supportive of the muscles, right? They help with getting nutrients there. Well, part of that is going back to now the inflammatory response and the inflammatory response absolutely affects fascia. Um, and fascia plays that role in making sure those inflammatory mediators get to the damaged site in the muscle. They're also really good about getting the fibroblasts to the area of, um, damage or where the pathology is because again fascia is very basically just a lot of collagen Mm -hmm. and what poops out collagen fibroblasts (laughs) what yeah it poops it out okay i mean maybe not actually poops but that's what i think of every time it produces yeah it produces poops you know collagen your favorite waste product yes valuable i don't know (laughs) if we should call it a waste product (laughs) but anywho right so it definitely helps in getting these these cells and these structures to the area of damage and fibroblasts are very key to the recovery process because again that's how your body heals right Mm -hmm. everyone thinks of scar tissue and that's what fibroblasts are there to do it's to produce collagen to produce a scar um Going back to how fascia is, and when we talk about dense areas, that's where you can get a problem is if you have too much collagen production or not doing rehab and like working on that, that scar, you can get dense areas of collagen. Essentially, the fibroblasts are going into overdrive. Hey, we got to do our job, just throws down scar tissue or collagen. And then if you don't do anything with that, it just stays there. And now it's a ball. Now it's dense. And that's gonna how it that's how it's gonna affect the function of fascia. With my students, I say that these are called hash browns because Ooh. we have the fibers that are all parallel to yes. each other, and then you tear them or you have damage to them, and then so there's like a hole. And so instead of like when the collagen lays down, yeah. um, instead of laying down in those nice parallel fibers. They lay down like haphazardly, and so we call it hash browns. Yes. And then those hash browns need to heal if they don't, if you're not using Wolf's Law and you're not using the tensile forces, rehab, um, manual therapy, stuff like that, tensile forces in that area, then you are not going to get those hash browns to, to line up parallel with the fibers that are already there. Yeah, absolutely. And that really ties into what we're going to talk about next is... The initial response with, like you said, with that, with the fibroblast and early on in that proliferation phase is, hey, we just need to put stuff down. Mm-hmm. There's damage here. Throw just it there. Fill, fill the hole. And through stressing of that scar, that is where you, like you said, now you're uh, fine tuning the scar. You're shaping it, you know, molding it into something that aligns with the fibers, aligns with how the fascia and the muscle are supposed to um, work and like the line to that stress. And that's exactly what you're kind of mimicking when you start using a tool. So any soft tissue, but in the, in this case, like doing tooling or instrument assisted, the idea is one, you're applying a stress Mm -hmm. because of the pressure and Mm -hmm. you know, the, the friction of it going across the skin. Um, You're creating a stress 
against the fascia that is now shaping that scar. Oh, I'm being pulled this certain way. That's the stress being applied. I need to align my scar that way. Mm-hmm. And the body will do that. You know, as you know, as we've talked about with the inflammation process, that proliferation phase going into maturation, right? The idea is we are shaping the scar. And it's also changing from temporary collagen to more permanent. Exactly. So and you're stronger. Get, you're getting that okay, we're, we're now applying a stress. Hey, this type type 3 stuff, this ain't working. Mm-hmm. This this, mm-hmm. this ain't holding up nicely. We got to take that away. We got to transition it into type 1 collagen to make a stronger scar. Number 1. Number 1. <laughs> so <Where's> that horn. <laughs> there it is. So who needs all this fancy equipment to make a horn? I got it. <laughs> I got the reggae horn right here. You're saving me so much uh, time. And Thank so you. much money. <laughs> um so that's another key thing when we talk about like what's the idea behind instrument assisted. Well, that's part of it, especially during that injury phase, that um, uh, that healing phase, and our rehab and mm-hmm. our treatments. That's what we're going for. Um, other areas that instrument assisted can affect fascia is again we already a little touched on a little bit is that friction. Well, you just rubbing anything against the skin is going to create heat. Right. Right. Just that friction. Even if you're using like obviously like a lotion, I wouldn't just go nothing and go right on the skin and go that was that's not going to feel good. No one's going to come back. No one's coming back. But, you know, still it still creates friction and this creates heat. The idea behind the heat is this really hits that thixotropic properties of the fascia. Essentially, what that is, is basically affecting the gel like makeup of the fascia. So when. You heat that tissue up, more fluids able to get into that ground substance or that gel. And if you add fluid to gel, it becomes less viscous. It's going to f- be a more nice fluid, kind of like heating up syrup. If you heat up syrup, that bad boy flows. That just sounds gross to me, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't put it on your pancakes. <laughs> just I'm just saying to consistency. Um. Whereas if it gets colder, right, like you've seen it with oil and stuff, if you put it in the fridge, it like solidifies. That's basically what's happening. Right. Like with that ground substance. And that's going to affect the mobility of fascia. So that's one theory behind, okay, why are we seeing like increased range of motion or like, you know, improved stretching and stuff like that with instrument assisted? That's one theory behind it is, oh, well, you've created heat. The ground substance in fascia is now a little more fluid-like. Hey, you can move better. You get more movement through the tissue, more gliding. Um, because that is another thing to consider, too, that, you, that doesn't often get talked about with fascia is the fascia is in layers. It's not just mm-hmm. one thing. There are multiple layers to fascia. It's like an onion. Exactly. And, they're gl- and they, the complex part is they don't all follow one path. Some follow another path and another goes another way, but they're all stacked on top of each other. So they have to glide within each other. It's like your comforter and your top sheet and underneath. And exactly. Your favorite blanket. Exactly. All those things have to glide over each other. And if, the, again, the ground substance is very thick and viscous or adhesions are in between, you, you lose that gliding. And that's where you get pain or, oh, I feel tight when I do this. Um, another area that instrument assisted could be showing benefits with one range of motion, but also uh, with pain is through those mechanoreceptors. So like we said, the tool loads the fascia, which is going to stimulate those mechanoreceptors. 
So one area of stimulating mechanoreceptors is you decrease pain, right? We're talking about that level one pain, pain modulation, same idea as TENS, mm-hmm. all right? So you're just adding some touch, activating those receptors, you're decreasing pain. Now, obviously, if you're going like ham on someone and like really going in there, okay, maybe you're, <laughs> <laughs> that, that might be activating nociceptors at this point. Right, right. But the idea is, hey, we're stimulating those mechanoreceptors. We should be getting a decrease in pain because of that neurological input. There's another idea that you really see a lot in some of the foam rolling and static stretching literature. And this is also the, the stimulation, again, kind of the mechanoreceptors and some of the um, uh, proprioceptors within the muscle itself. But you're getting stimulation of that neurological system that's reducing the muscle tone. So the idea is, you know, if you're doing the tool you're sending some neurological input back to the brain and it's essentially telling the muscle, hey, you can kind of relax a little bit. You can kind of let go. You don't need to like sit here and be like really tight and contracted. And through that, just kind of that efferent like turning down, you get an increased range of motion because obviously if there's less muscle tone, like, oh, the muscle should be able to extend more. Mm -hmm. So that's some of the theory behind instrument assisted. It kind of follows similar to like foam rolling and static stretching when you're talking about that neurological component. Another interesting thing, and this is kind of more applicable to the pathology part, like those students or those athletes or patients that have um, like an actual pathology, like tendinopathies, is there are studies that support instrument assisted soft tissue mobilization and stimulating uh fibroblasts so they've actually found like hey more fibroblasts you know um came to the area of pathology started doing their job more which again when we're in a healing process especially tendinopathy we want that well the way i look at it is like you're putting pressure on the skin and and the mechanoreceptors and they're putting out a call like hey we need all the builders yes to come here yes because there is some damage being done over here, even though you're not like damaging yeah. the tissue. You're, sig- se, you're, you're signaling s- this area is getting stressed. Right. We need to adapt. Right. So you're getting all the builders to come in. Exactly. And there's there are studies that have shown that, okay, you see a higher migration of fibroblasts after tooling, after not tooling, compared to after not tooling. Got it. Yeah. Sorry, that was really quick. It made sense in my head when I <laughs> shot it out. That's not what words came out. So that's great to talk about like the theory of how instrument assisted works. And obviously we need to have an idea of what's going on. But at the end of the day, what's the most important thing? The clinical results. Ah, I was going to say pain. (laughs) Pain is important. You're right. But also like, okay, like what does all this mean? Does it work or doesn't it work? Right, right. So are they part of the... The 80% or are they part of the 20%? Exactly. So multiple studies have definitely shown improved range of motion. Like we have definitely seen that through countless literature, looking at the shoulder, looking at the hip, looking at the ankle. Most studies are going to show, hey, improving range of motion, thumbs up. You will definitely get that. And like I said, it's, it's coming from the idea of one, you're creating heat because of the friction. And two, you know, some of it could obviously be mobilizing that fascia, maybe letting the dense areas in the fascia smooth out a little bit. 
going back to the blanket example, you know, when you sit in the middle and the blanket kind of like scrunches up, but then you stretch it out and the, and the, wherever you sat, like goes away, the yeah. blanket can now cover the entire bed. Yes, exactly. And also the neurological component, Hey, we're reducing that efferent signal to the muscle to like have a higher tone. Nope. We're relaxing a little bit more. All those definitely are contributing to this. You know, I don't think we have to point at one like, oh, that's it. The other aren't. No, I think all of them do play a role in getting your increased range of motion. And plus, at the end of the day, what's more important? You're seeing the improved range of motion. Hey, that's awesome. Um, Did you see anything when you were reading about range of motion, like how long it lasts? Was it like a short-lived range of motion, like you put heat on it, or was it more like... It's longer. It's for sure longer than the heat. Like just applying a hot pack. I can't remember off the top of my head like, hey, how long did that last? Mm -hmm. But it it was definitely longer than just adding a hot pack. And if you want to check yourself, you can check our references down in the show notes on our webpage. Yes, absolutely. Um, Another thing that I think it's important when we talk about instrument assisted is along the lines of improved range of motion. And we're talking about smoothing out adhesions and uh, all that when this stuff first came out the idea was like oh i'm breaking scar tissue Mm -hmm. and i think it's important to say like to break scar tissue (laughs) you need to apply a lot of force and we're talking more force than like a human can produce like by hand and with a tool so i think that idea that oh i'm breaking scar tissue is starting to kind of fall out um, I think the better way of looking at it is I'm not breaking the scar tissue. I'm mobilizing the scar. Ooh, that's a good idea. I'm helping shape the scar. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I may feel like it's like starting to go away, but that's not necessarily like, Hey, I broke it. It's more, I shaped it. I feel like people also use like breaking the scar tissue because it's really easy for the patient to understand, to, see, to visualize it. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, Oh, like this is stuck. Like I need. I need to, and everyone says it like yeah. not just athletic trainers, but no, you hear not. people say like, we need to break down scar tissue. So then they come in and they're like, I need to break this scar tissue. Yeah. And it's, again, it's like when this came out, yeah, that was the thought like, oh, I, you know, that's what it makes sense. That could be what's happening. It's just through studies, like te- actually doing the tensile strength of tearing scar tissue. It's just, it's really hard, which mm-hmm. is really gives you the appreciation of how amazing our bodies are in the healing process that our body literally just made something that you can't like physically tear yourself it's basically a force field yeah like that's pretty you, wild you hurt me once i'll I'm show not, you yeah i'll show I'm gonna you do it again yeah um that's like um when i show my athletes i'm like okay this is like scraping over here you feel yeah. how crunchy this is over here and then like go to a, like a non- non-involved yeah. tissue and i'm like okay feel this like it's smooth I feel this crunchy we don't want that yeah <laughs> but and that's the thing is like hey through this this tooling and like other modalities the idea is hey let's smooth that out a little bit it may not completely go away but i have definitely felt quality where i'm like this actually feels better than it used to mm-hmm. and that's what we're doing we're shaping the scar we're teaching the body that oh this mangled mess of scar tissue is bad let's shape it and it smooths it out makes it nice and aligned with the with the fibers as that it should be with whatever stress is being applied. Well, it's also really easy to get buy-in with the athlete because oh, yes. you're you're showing them the crunchy tissue and they're like, "Oh yeah, like I feel that." And yeah, then that's as bad. and then as you're able to actually get movement on it, they're like, "Oh wow, like 
I actually do feel like it's yeah. getting better. Absolutely. So now the range of motion stuff, that's great. And obviously a lot of times it's done in healthy uh, populations and that's great as a warm up. It's great in recovery. But now what about like pathology, right? At the end of the day, hey, we're trying to treat injuries as well, mm-hmm. as well as that prevention aspect. And there is definitely some support in the literature that's out there for instrument assisted in regards to tendinopathies. And what you see and what you see in the literature is that there are large effect sizes. So you are seeing like, hey, this this is a meaningful thing. Mm-hmm. Like we're seeing something that actually makes a difference instead of that yet small effect size. <laughs> that's like, eh, you got a little bit better. No, you are seeing, hey, these we are making significant changes with instrument assisted in regards to decreases in pain which is important and improved patient reported outcomes so patients are feeling that they're getting better and functionally they're doing things that they weren't able to do without having the tooling or the instrument assist i should say in their treatment plan Mm -hmm. so you are seeing like hey this does have a clinical role it's not just like oh this is a new thing it's a fad let's try it no there there are definitely stuff behind this and again, that the mechanism behind why it's so effective with tendinopathies is because of how it affects the fibroblasts and stimulating them to produce that collagen and create a scar. Because again, if you remember in some of our older tendinopathy episodes, can't remember the numbers at this point, but like number two, it yeah, was like throw, like throw, throw back. back. Um, one of the problems with tendinopathies are you don't see a scar you see more degeneration as opposed to either degeneration or prolonged inflammation, right? You don't see a really good healing process because you're stressing that tendon so much that it just starts over. It's doing more. I, the way I explain it um, is you're doing more cleanup than you are building. Yes. And that's essentially what's happened with tendinopathies, right? You're getting a cleanup signal so much that you haven't given the opportunity for the builders to come in and be like, Hey, We've got it cleaned up. Let's fix it now. Instead, it's they're trying to fix, but oh, well, this broke. We got to clean that. Oh, wait, that broke. We got to clean that. And no one built anything. So the idea with the tooling is you're giving the chance to stimulate those fibroblasts. Now you got those workers into overdrive, like, all right, let's do this. And they start building things and repairing. So that's the idea behind the tooling. Um, the nice thing with like what we talked about with the range of motion, this could definitely be used as a warm up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there, they didn't really find any negative effects on performance, so it didn't make your performance worse. So you can feel pretty comfortable that like, hey, one, we improved range of motion, which is good. Mm-hmm. It's always what you want, um, but I didn't affect how you perform. So if anything, maybe you could see improvement in your individual athletes, but you know at least, hey, I'm at the likelihood of me affecting your performance negatively is pretty low. Did you see, and I'm assuming the answer is no, because it's more of the effect. Did you see that there was a difference in between like a um, metal tool or a um, like a buffalo horn or like, like an animal horn or? A lot of the studies done like, at least in the Western literature, mm-hmm. really use metal tools. Mm-hmm. The buffalo horn and those ones are kind of more viewed as like the gua sha. So like the mm-hmm. original idea mm-hmm. of uh, um, instrument assisted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
so they didn't necessarily compare the tools. Um, they definitely, there are studies that kind of look at like weight. Oh, okay. And really looking at the weight, there really wasn't that much of a difference. So it's not like a heavier tool did this or a lighter tool did this. It, it really goes back mostly to patient comfort. Hmm. So and also technique and technique. You yes. can do like feathering where you're just really trying to get like neurological. Absolutely. Or you can do like more, like more pressures to, to stimulate those mechanoreceptors and absolutely. Feathering. And some of the idea of looking at the different weights of tools was that pressure aspect. If you have a heavier tool, theoretically you're able to put, there's more pressure being exerted, but the difference is really low and a lot of it goes back to kind of the technique, patient comfort, um, and so, also also the type of the type of course doesn't necessarily make a difference in the uh, outcome. The type of what? So there are plenty of instrument assisted courses oh, that right, are out right, there, right? And really, depending on the like the course, whatever you were trained in didn't necessarily matter. Got it. So you can feel comfortable that you can take an instrument-assisted course, and it's not like, oh, well, there's like three different techniques. I need to learn all three. If you find a, a course and you really like it and like, hey, this information is awesome, then that's perfect, right? You're getting just as good of an outcome as someone who took a different course that really liked that course. And so it's not that like the certain courses make a huge difference, right? As long as you understand what you're doing and you're taught the proper technique, you are okay. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting too. We didn't talk about patikia at all. Uh, well, no, I was going to save that for the end, at least for kind of like when we talk about technique and like the safety of using instrument assisted. Remember, it is it is a modality just like anything else. There are mm-hmm. indications and contraindications, and those basically follow the same lines as massage, like mm-hmm. manual therapy, mm-hmm. like actual it's, soft tissue work it's the same it's essentially your thumb but it won't break down it Ex- won't get arthritis <laughs> exactly so when we are tooling you know it some schools of thought initially we were thinking like oh bruising you had to get bruising and i think what we know now is i think some people would get a little too aggressive and did a little too much bruising let's damage the tissue more yeah good. i think that's really kind of fallen out too i haven't mm-hmm. seen too many clinicians say like oh we need the bruising you may get bruising like i let the athletes know like hey like you might get a bruise that's oh that's not necessarily weird so don't like panic but i'm not trying to get that a lot of times my threshold is that kind of that the redness petechia, yeah exactly once i start seeing that that's it i'm not doing that area anymore that's done. Um, so I definitely, you know, caution the clinician that maybe isn't super comfortable with tool, you know, with instrument assisted quite yet to one, Hey, maybe look into doing a course, getting a little bit more background on it. And then two, maybe going on the more conservative, like, you know, Hey, we're seeing that kind of redness. All right. That area, even like just redness in the skin. That's kind of my threshold there too. Like, Hey, cool. I got the redness. I'm good. I mean, essentially, you're just trying to irritate the tissue a little bit, just so enough, so it stimulates. Oh, there's about to be damage here. Then yes. I need to, I need to send my my building crew. Yes, exactly. One hundred percent. Because otherwise, if you're doing real damage, then you have to wait out the healing process. Exactly, exactly. And again, like sometimes bruising does happen. Some patients do. Um, even if you try to be as, you know, conservative with instrument assisted, sometimes it happens. A lot of times it's just really small though. 
Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, okay, that 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 little bruise probably from the you know from the tool work. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll work around that and stuff. So. So do you have an action item? Oh, that's good. I've got an action item. Oh, okay, go for it. Um, from what you told me, basically, I don't have to spend five hundred dollars on a tool if I have the right technique. Yeah, that's true. If you find something that works for you, that's perfect. And, and then the- I can use that tool to get some redness or petechia, and then I don't have to do bruising. Yep, yeah, exactly. And again, find the right tool for you. I don't like heavy tools. They hurt my wrist, so I have to do lighter ones. Which is the exact opposite of what the tool is for. Like part of it is yes, for to save me. Yeah. But at the end of the day, as long as you are comfortable with it, you have the right technique, you get the same results regardless of the tool and regardless of how much like formal training that you've gotten with it. Mm-hmm. I still recommend, hey, at least getting a core get you know have a course have some information behind it understand it before you just jump in but um it's not again it's not like oh well there are five instrument assisted courses i have to do them all no you could probably just do one and you will be fine right nice well if you do you have anything else to add no that was perfect so like we said before our references are on our website um if you guys are new, this is a CEU episode, so you can scroll down to the show notes. Um, our Make sure you pay attention to our latest podcast to find out what the latest update is for the CEU episode. So this, um, with Precision AT, we are so lucky to be offering this episode for free if you are listening to it as it comes out. Um, if it was is within our latest three, it is a dollar. And then um, as you move further back into our we have like over 20 ceus available i believe oh yes yeah so so if you guys want to go back into the archives you totally can they're all on precision at um again in our show notes on our instagram at corner podcast um in precision at's um home store home study store so just look out for those yes and they have other ceus as well other other course material and stuff like that Right. And if you are looking for more CEUs, not just from us, we also are an affiliate of MedBridge where you can use code ATCORNER to get $150 off. So make sure you take advantage of that because it is a year-long subscription. Um, And I think they also have a um, home exercise program. Yes. I think that would be sold separately, but they definitely do have a program, which I've used it before. Um, It's pretty awesome. I I enjoyed it and it's it's pretty intuitive. So so I, I give it two thumbs up. Yeah, so if you guys are interested in any of our other episodes, we do education. We also do experience stories or story episodes. So we take stories from all other athletic trainers all around the world, which we love to say. Yes. And um, we kind of put them together in one episode. Upcoming, we're going to do some kit stories with a special co-host. Yes. Um, We're going to do things about like what it's like when... Uh, adrenaline comes down after an emergency situation. Ooh, that'll um, be a good one. Yeah, I'm excited about really that. Good one. Yeah. Um, but anyway, all of these story prompts are going to be up on our on our Instagram the week of that story episode. So after a education uh, episode comes out, make sure you check that week for the story prompts up in mm-hmm. our Instagram stories. And then lastly, 
we have a Facebook group if you want to if you want to talk about this episode if you want to see what other people are doing with ISDM or other people maybe um, suggesting some courses or some techniques or yep. whatever we're gonna put that up in our Facebook group so facebook.com slash group slash at corner podcast join the conversation you got anything else Randy nope that was perfect thank you for helping us showcase athletic training and also happy National Athletic Training Month I think we closed it out pretty well. All right. Thank you for helping to showcase athletic training behind the tape. Bye.